0: friends, and welcome again to The Bible Lab, the podcast where we explore major themes from every book of the Bible in order to see how each page points to Jesus, who He is, and what He's done. I'm your host, Andy Wood. Thank you for joining me, friends. We are in the midst of an examination of the books of First and Second Samuel. Uh, before we jump into our second theme today, just a couple of reminders. Remember first that all of these episodes I'm pulling from the book, What the Old Testament Authors Really Cared About. We have a link for that book on our website. Uh, I highly encourage you guys to check that out. Uh, The second reminder is, hey, we have a website, so uh, please go check that out. You can look for episodes based on the book they come from or based on the theme they cover. You can share that website with your friends and read the Bible and talk about it together. That would be amazing. So with all that being said, let's take a look at our second theme in the book of Samuel, and that is this, the author of Samuel demonstrated the need to take God's holy, powerful, and dangerous presence seriously. Part of Yahweh's covenant promise is that he would dwell in the midst of Israel. Exodus 25, 8, God says, let them make me a sanctuary. This is going to be the tabernacle that I may dwell in their midst. This presence of God is the greatest blessing that God gives to the people of Israel and the greatest blessing that God gives to us. Now, the glory of Yahweh is going to fill that tabernacle. As we read about in Exodus chapter 40, the glory of God descending on the tabernacle, filling the tabernacle Though the glory of God fills the tabernacle, Yahweh's presence was focused primarily on the Ark of the Covenant, which is depicted as Yahweh's royal throne. Now, this Ark was a small rectangular box, roughly four feet long, two and a half feet tall, and two and a half feet wide. It was covered in gold. It's where the Ten Commandments were placed, and it's where God's sacred presence resided. Yahweh's dwelling with Israel brought with it tremendous power for blessing. If the God of the universe is in your midst, there's nothing this God cannot do. He delights to shower his people with blessing. That's a really amazing, amazing gift. But Yahweh's dwelling with Israel also brought with it tremendous danger for curses, because Yahweh's presence is deadly for those who don't take him seriously. And the book of Samuel records three stories emphasizing the importance of recognizing the holiness, power, and danger that come from being in God's presence. The first story has to do with the Philistines and the Ark. Remember, the Philistines are Israel's enemy. They live on the banks of the Mediterranean River. They are the sea people, and they are going to be Israel's constant foe during this period. In the first story, it comes from 1 Samuel chapter 4 and 5, the Israelites treat the Ark as a magic object like a lucky rabbit's foot and they ignore God. They get defeated in a battle by the Philistines and they say this in 1 Samuel 4:3. When the people came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, "Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh that it it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies." Not not let Yahweh save us, but let this box, let this object Let this object save us from the power of our enemies. And you can probably guess what happens next. The Israelites lose the battle even worse than they did the day before. And it seems as if Yahweh has been conquered by the Philistines and their gods, as the Philistines not only drive Israel from the field, but they grab the Ark of the Covenant and take it home with them as a prize of war. They take it to the city of Ashdod and they place it in the temple of Dagon, their god, as a trophy. 1 Samuel 5, 1-4. But when they rose early the next morning behold Dagon had fallen faced downward on the ground before the ark of the lord and the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold only the trunk of Dagon was left to him Yahweh then goes to war against the Philistines and defeats them As he goes from city to city, everywhere the Ark of the Covenant is taken, tumors break out, people are dying left and right, everyone's terrified. It's like the most deadly game of hot potato as each Philistine city tries to send the Ark to another Philistine city and death breaks out there. Until finally the Philistines in desperation put the Ark of the Covenant on a cart and they load it up with gold and they send the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel with a tribute. And if you read this passage, which you can read in 1 Samuel 5, 6 through 12, it reads like a military campaign. First, Yahweh defeats their God, and then he captures their cities, and they pay him gold to leave their land, which is exactly what ancient conquerors of old would do. Sinful Israel, yes, they had been conquered, but not Yahweh. Yahweh's presence alone is enough to defeat every enemy. The second story has to do with an Israelite. An Israelite named Uzzah, Uzzah and the ark. So we flash forward uh, several decades from that first story. David has now conquered Jerusalem and he wants to bring the ark into the city. This is a good desire. David is a godly man. He loves the Lord. He wants to bring the ark into the city. It says in 2 Samuel 6, 1 through 4, David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carry the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which is on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab. Now, just a quick time out. Uzzah and Ahio and Abinadab are all Levites. Keep that in your mind. They were driving the new cart with the Ark of God, and Ohio went before the Ark. Now, this seems great. We've conquered our enemies. We're celebrating the presence of the Lord. We're bringing the Ark into the city of Jerusalem. Everything's going great. But Yahweh had given strict instructions on how the Ark was to be moved. Exodus 25, 13-15, God says to Israel, "...you shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold." And you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark by them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. No human hand is supposed to touch the ark of the covenant. The poles are given so that the ark can be carried safely. But David puts it on a cart, just like the Philistines did. And the Philistines treated the ark with disrespect. And in some ways, so is David. David is treating this like it's a military parade and he's carting the Ark of the Covenant in as if God needs the help of animals to be carried. And the oxen stumble. And we read this in Second Samuel 6, 6-7. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the Ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there beside the Ark of God. Remember, friends, Uzzah is a Levite. Uzzah knows good and well I am not supposed to touch this box no matter what. Yahweh is here stressing the power and danger of his holy presence. Not even the king, not even King David, could ignore God's commands, and everyone was going to be held to the same high standard. Thankfully, David learns his lesson. And later we read in 1 Chronicles 15 that David tries again to move the ark, but notice the difference. And the Levites carry the ark of God on their shoulders with the poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. So we've seen the Philistines in the ark. We've seen Uzzah in the ark. One final story to emphasize the danger and potential blessing of Yahweh's holy presence, and that has to do with David in the ark. This story comes from towards the end of David's reign. David has sinned with Bathsheba, and he has brought sexual sin and violence into his family. And David is on the run from his son Absalom. Absalom has started a rebellion against David, and many in the nation had turned against David and allied with Absalom, and David is running in fear. He gets out of the city of Jerusalem, and the faithful priest, Zadok, brought the ark out of the city to come and be with David. The natural conclusion is that, okay, well, David's the king, he's God's anointed, the ark should go with David. But David sends the ark back into Jerusalem. Now, this strikes us as odd. But David is the first person in this story to truly understand what the ark means. David understands the ark is not just a box. The ark is the throne room of God, and everywhere God is, he brings his holiness with him. And David realized that his sin with Bathsheba and his sin with his sons had damaged not only those relationships, but his relationship with Yahweh. And David didn't know if it was safe for him to be in Yahweh's presence. Just like with Adam and Eve in the garden, the consequence of David's sin was that he was driven away from the blessed presence of God. As we are reminded in Genesis 3, 23-24, God drove Adam and Eve out from the garden, and then he put a cherubim at the gate of the Garden of Eden so that no one can come back into God's presence in a sinful state, because that would mean certain death. Now, thankfully, David survives his attempted coup by Absalom. He's able to go back to Jerusalem. He's able to go to the tabernacle and, and worship in the presence of God again. But David understands the seriousness of being in God's presence. And the joy for us as Christians is that Christ has done everything necessary for us to always be welcomed into God's presence. We now have not only a king on the throne, but the king is our father. And so we are not just invited, we are encouraged in some ways commanded, to come into the presence of God. We don't have to come tiptoeing in like a mouse trying to get past the cat. We are told to approach the throne of grace with boldness and confidence that God is delighted to see us and eager to help and to bless us. This is what King Jesus, our infinitely greater David, has won for us. He has won for us the eternal presence of God from whom all blessings flow. So friends, the next time we come together, Lord willing, we're going to look at the contrast between Saul and David. But for now, take up and read. God bless.